Hey, this is Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Chapel, Divine, Texas. Would really like to thank you for taking time to check out our podcast, our Sunday sermons, and our Wednesday night Bible studies. You can always share this, download it, or even find it on Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, SoundCloud, and pretty much wherever you can find a podcast. You can also find out about our church service times. We have our Sunday service at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night Bible study at 7 p.m. We're located in the Market Media Building. It's located at 203 East College Avenue, Sweet C in Divine, Texas. Plus, if you need to get any other information from the church, you can do all of this at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. Here's today's teaching. So I entitled this simply, Faith Dwelt in Your Grandmother, Your Mother, and Dwells in You. Faith Dwelt in Your Grandmother, your mother and dwells in you. And so we'll look at it in two parts. As we look at 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 5 and 7, we'll look at godly mothers are women of real faith. And then the second part is godly mothers esteem God's word and instruct their children in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. So today's Mother's Day. And, you know, uh, at the end of the day, one of the things that was funny is all the kids were coming to ask me, what do I get mom for Mother's Day? I'm like, she's your mother, you should know. You need to get to know your mother better. And so I've given out suggestions of things they could do or get. My wife is, is, she doesn't really desire much. She don't ask for anything. And, and the one thing I think she always asks for is that her kids are at church for for Mother's Day. That's an amazing thing. That's what most mothers want, is their, their children to be at church with them on Mother's Day. Fathers, what do we want? We want to be fishing. We want to be out working. We want to be out enjoying our day, our peace. And uh, we'll get into, when I get into Father's Day, that'll be a, a tough one. On moms, we encourage, for the fathers, we, we take the gloves off. Um, because we have a lot of responsibility. And um, one of the things I thought about is we had prayed on, on the Wednesday, and this is the importance of prayer. Uh, we had prayed for my, my, my brother's father-in-law. He was in the ICU. His kidneys were shutting down. Gail flew in from Omaha to, um, uh, to Los Angeles, where the dad lives. He lived in Long Beach. And um, he didn't know Jesus Christ. Remember, we prayed that she would be able to share the message with him, and her dad gave his life to the Lord that night and died three or four hours later. That's why we pray. At the end of the day, one of the things that that I love about moms and I love about Gail's heart is that, that she was wanting to pray. She was asking for prayer. My brother was asking for prayer. You know, some of us may have grown up with having a, a grandmother or an aunt or, or someone who raised us other than our mother. Uh, some of us may have bad experiences growing up with our moms. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I was really blessed with was having spiritual moms that were put in place. What are those? People at church or, or maybe a, a teacher. Uh, you know, my teacher, we didn't have all that stuff that's going on in school today. Miss Prince was my first grade and kindergarten teacher. And, and when my mom and dad were going through the divorce, the only attention I got was from Miss LaPrince. And she was a godly woman. And she was like that with every child in that class. 
And so we have spiritual moms and, and spiritual moms even in the church, uh, which we'll talk about today. But what happens if your mom, because this was one of the things that me and Teresa were talking about on the way down. We went down to Corpus on Monday and spent some time just to kind of disconnect. And one of the things we talked about is we both grew up with moms who didn't know Jesus. Didn't have a relationship with Christ. We have a lot of hurt. Don't get me wrong. And my mom loved us. All three of my, my two brothers and, and myself. And, and, and it's funny because we grew up in, a, in an ungodly home. And Teresa grew up in a religious home. Catholic. Strict Catholic. The mom was angry all the time. And they didn't really live that way the rest of the days of the week. They were one way at church. They put the mask on at church. And as soon as they leave church, the mask would come off. And she was a bitter, angry woman. And my, my wife said something to me that stood out tremendously. She goes, my mother had a ninth grade education. She started working. She was from, uh, from Mexico. She started working when she was like nine years old with her mom. She had everything going against her. And I could hold on to that unforgiveness of my childhood, but she didn't know Jesus Christ. How do I expect somebody to act godly when they're ungodly, right? And so she was like, I just forgave my mom. I got to a place where I forgave my mom. One of the greatest things about both of our mothers, they both gave their lives to the Lord after 70. Teresa's mom gave her life to Christ, and my mom gave her life to Christ. And, and you know, it, it's just an amazing thing when we think that we have all of these tools that are available to us, even as, as men, but for moms. You have the power of the Holy Spirit. You have Jesus Christ. You have the, the, the women of the church. You have the Word of God. You have all these things. And think about that. Neither one of our parents used it. At all. And so what I'm hoping to give you today is the encouragement that if you're struggling being a mom, maybe you have a child that you're going, I just don't know what I'm going to do with this child. Don't give up on them. Don't give up on them. Keep praying for them. Keep, keep trying to share the word with them. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's like I love Timothy and uh, Timothy's um, mother Eunice and the grandmother Lois. They brought Timothy up from childhood to, to adulthood to know, know, know God, to have a relationship with God. And that was without the father. The father was Greek and didn't want anything to do with God. Believed in many gods. And so that's what we're going to dive into today. As, as we look at godly mothers or women of real faith, let's look at that first little part there in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. It says, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. I love this. This Paul is... is saying, you know, to, to Timothy, look, there's a faith that you had, but it wasn't just in you. It was in your grandmother and your mother. Their, their faith could be seen in action, and that's how ours is supposed to be. Timothy's grandmother, Lois, and, and the mother, Eunice, they both 
had had this faith that uh, you know we're not sure when they came to know Christ or when they came. It was it on the day of Pentecost or or when it was. We know that 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 Paul is is introduced to them in Acts chapter 16 verse 1, and we know that the, one of them at least has a Greek name. And so in Acts chapter 16 verses 1 and 2 it says Paul came. Also to Derby and to Lystra, a disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was Greek. So we get right off the bat, the father was Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. They're not talking about the father being well spoken of, they're talking about Timothy. Like, hey, you got to come meet this brother. And, and I love that because that's something that was taught to him in the home. And he takes it outside the home and it's impacting all these different people. And Paul finds out about it. We know that Timothy's father was apparently a Greek unbeliever because it tells us that in Acts chapter 16, verse 3, Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew his, that his father was a Greek. So Timothy went and got circumcised uh, as Paul instructed, and, and, but the father never did that for him. And it's funny because Paul really is more of a, um, like a father figure, a spiritual father figure to Timothy. And that happens sometimes. Sometimes we have people in our life uh, that, that fill that spiritual need. That, and that's why the church is so important. It's like you have people in your life that, that, in church that fill that spiritual need. I have a brother, you know, Joe, is, he, he's like my older brother. I don't have my older brothers in my life. Uh, they both live separate areas. One lives in Omaha. Their families are being raised there. And the other lives in Charleston, South Carolina. And, and we're... We get to see every, each other very, very seldom. And, but God had given me brothers within the church. But I love what Paul says. He says, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you as well. That word dwell, to dwell in, is actually means to take up residence, to make home in your heart. That's what Christ is supposed to do. To be at home. And that's the, the most important thing. As, as we give our lives to Christ and we ask Christ into our heart, we, we repent of our sins, we're filled with the Holy Spirit, and, and Christ takes residence in our heart. And there are things that have to go. There are things that He has to remove. It's such an integral part of our, of our lives is that we should have Christ dwelling in it. And, and in our house. And so if there are things that need to be removed, they need to be removed. In Romans chapter 8, verse 11, it says, In the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your, uh, to your mortal bodies through the spirit who dwells in you. So he says, look, it, it, it's the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the, the dead. It dwells in you, but it's Christ Jesus. The Spirit that dwells in you. The Holy Spirit. It's that power that you can be a mom. If you're not connected to that power, you can't be a, a, a godly father or a godly mother in either case. 
as parents, we need to be connected to the power of the Holy Spirit. We've talked about that before. It's like there was a missionary uh, in Russia that had a, a, a vehicle that was given to him. Every time a new missionary would come, they would, that vehicle would be given to the next missionary. So that way they could get around to do the work that they needed to do for the church. Well, that, that car was a stick shift, and most kids don't know what that is. But that car was a stick shift, a clutch, and you had to pop the clutch in order to get it to start because the battery was acting up or there was something wrong with the starter. I'm no quartz in his mind. He's probably already ready to fix the, you know, he can fix it already. Uh, but the thing is, is that missionary drove that car for two years like that. Next guy comes in who's taking his place. He goes, hold on, man, we got to park it on a hill because we got to pop the clutch going down the hill so it can go. Right? Because it's hard to pop the clutch if it's coming uphill. You can't do it. And so he goes, wait a minute, what's going on? He popped the hood and he goes, man, your, your, your connection's loose. You're not connected to the power. You tighten it up, sure enough, the car started right up. For three years, that guy had been trying to do that in his own power. And that's what it's like when you're not connected to the power of the Holy Spirit. When you're not in God's Word, you're not seeking God through prayer. It's, it's the power of the Holy Spirit that helps you be a mom. I can encourage you with that, you know, because it was the thing that, uh, you know, that, that I see in my wife. Now, I can talk about her mom or my mom and how they didn't have the tools. Guess what? Me and Teresa didn't have them either. We didn't come to faith till late in life. I was 39, I believe Teresa was in her, 30, she was 36 because we were in Hawaii. Uh, she came home, she was struggling, and she, at, at the house next door, ran Alma's house, she gave her life to Christ. And then she got back around me, and for the next three or four years, she, she didn't, didn't go to church or anything. I didn't want nothing to do with it. The next person to come to no faith was Michael. I didn't want nothing to do with it. I wanted to have my Sundays. I like watching football. I like getting up and barbecuing. And so anything that he wanted to do for church, I try to squelch it as quickly as possible. I didn't want nothing to do with it. Matter of fact, his pastor came to my house. I almost threw him out. We, we almost came to blows. That's how evil I was. That's how angry I was and wrathful I was. It wasn't until I was 39 years old I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And then the power of the Holy Spirit starts residing in me. And then I, what I see is this change that happens in my wife, Teresa, as a mother. Don't get me wrong, she loved her kids. She nurtured her kids. But there was a different way that she would handle it. It would be handled through the Word of God. It would be handled through prayer. It would be handled by listening to them and praying for them and diligently going to God and seeking God for their needs. Like we're still praying for, we need, we need two godly wives and a godly husband. We've got three kids that still need to be married. We're, that's a prayer that we're still praying. You need to be praying for that stuff. And I saw a change that happened in my, my wife because what happened is God dwelt in her heart. Dwelt in her heart. And there was a change that happened. Not only as a mother, but as a wife. And that's what Jesus does when he takes residence in our heart. It's, it's something that, that is 
entrusted in you. It's, it's something that is deposited in you. And that's in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 14. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. I can honestly tell you that raising kids, there are times when the way that I've explained it to people, I've got five kids. It's like riding a wave. You get one of them up on the wave and they're doing good and they're surfing and doing well and, they, and then you get the other three up and then two of them fall down. And you have to help them back up again and get them back on the wave. That's, that's what parenting is. For some reason, parents think that as that my job ends at, when they turn 18. That's, that's a lie. Can I tell you that the hardest time for you to be a parent is from ages 12 to probably around 26. Because they're getting married. They're trying to go to school. They're, they go to school, if they go to a secular college, they're gonna be, their faith is gonna be challenged tremendously. And they're gonna need your, that foundation, they're gonna have to rely on it over and over. And even with some, today, even with some um, biblical schools. A lot of those are going woke as well. One of the things we have to do is, is as, as mothers is, is be willing to, to pray for our kids. So when they hit that, they're on that, that big wave and they're trying to ride and they get crushed. They're gonna, be, they're gonna need mom to, to help them back up. And a lot of that's gonna be done through prayer. I was reading something this past week about Hudson Taylor. Hudson Taylor is the, uh, the missionary out of, out of China. Uh, his mom was worried about Hudson because Hudson unfortunately didn't uh, know the Lord. He was 18 years old and he was, he was not a good kid. He was getting into a lot of trouble. And uh, the mother, for some reason, had it put on her heart. This is the power of the Holy Spirit. God put it on her heart that she needed to go pray at that moment for her son's salvation. So she goes up into her room and she begins to pray. She's, out of, she's not even in the same city with Hudson. Hudson's back with his dad. She begins to pray and she just cries out to the Lord for her son's salvation. She prayed for hours. 18-year-old Hudson... Taylor the same day was wandering into his father's library and found a gospel tract and read it. For whatever reason, he couldn't shake it. He ends up giving his life to Jesus the same day. Mom comes home a couple days later and says, Hudson, how you been? And Hudson tells her, I've given my life to Christ. On, and he gave her the day, and it was the same day that she had been praying. We can't stop praying for our kids. And moms, I think one of the greatest things that you can do is be in, in prayer for your kids. I mean, Hudson Taylor went on to uh, be a missionary. He, was, he spent 51 years in China. They had over a thousand gospel missionaries uh, that, that planted in China. And so we need to be uh, encouraging, uh, even as parents, but as moms, to be in prayer. Remember Hannah in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 9? In 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 9, it says, After they had eaten and drunk in Shiloh, Hannah rose. And now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. And she was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she vowed about and said, O Lord of hosts, 
If you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me, and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give to him the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall touch his head. You know, that's a prayer really at the end of the day that every mother should pray for their children. Lord, they're yours. Every day that they're on this earth, they belong to you. That's why we dedicate children. We don't baptize them. We dedicate them. We pray over them. And when, they, when they get baptized, that's the decision they made because they've come to salvation and they understand what baptism is. When I was baptized in the Catholic Church, I had no re idea. I, I mean, my mom and dad divorced. She married a Catholic. We got baptized in the Catholic Church. I didn't understand what they were baptizing me for. Because I'm, I'm 11 years old getting baptized. There's a little baby getting baptized. I'm like, what's, should I have been baptized as a kid? Right? But one of the things that we need to do is remember that that child that has been given to you, Mom, that precious life, and I will tell you, any mother or father that holds their child for the first time would never, ever want to abort a child. Ever. Now, the mother may be disconnected, may not, or the father may be disconnected, may not, but I guarantee you one parent or one grandparent is going to say, give me the child. They're a blessing from God. Here's Hannah crying out and saying, Lord, I, I need a son. Right? And, and, and verse 12, it says, And she continued praying before the Lord, and Eli observed her mouth, and Hannah was speaking in her heart. And only her lips moved and her voice was not heard again if God takes residence in your heart she's speaking where in the heart to God right and Eli you know this is men for you therefore Eli took her her to be a drunken woman and Eli said to her how long will you go on being drunk put your wine away from you but Hannah answered no my lord I am a woman troubled in spirit I have drank, drunk neither wine nor strong drink but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord Moms, that's how you pray for your kids and your grandkids. You pour out your soul and pray for them. In this world that they're coming up, especially the young ones that we have, the youth that we have in this room right now, you need to be pouring your soul out, that that foundation sets so when they go out into this crazy world, they know who God is and they know who Jesus is and it takes residence in their heart. He says in verse 16, he says, Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman, for all along I have been speaking out my great anxiety and vexation. That reminds me there, as I read that, just the, the anxiety and the, and the stress that women carry as parents, as helpers in the home. It's a lot. You know, sadly, that most of the women are spiritual leaders in the family. Because the husbands don't want to be. The husbands were supposed to be. But the men, uh, again, what does mom want? Mom wants her kids in church. It's like at the end of the day, there, there's a heart there that women have uh, for those spiritual things that, that men need to wake up and, and do. And Eli said to her, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to him. 
And she said, let your servant find favor in your eyes. The woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. Hannah prayed. But you know what I love is Hannah not only prayed, she believed. She believed the prayer was going to happen. Because it's one thing for us to pray, but it's another thing for you to believe in faith in that. Because Jesus tells us that in Mark chapter 11, verses 20 through 25, it says, And they passed by the morning, they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. And Peter remembered and said, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed is withered. And Jesus answered them, Have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, Again, it deals with the heart. But believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And whenever you stand praying, forgive. Forgive. And if you have anything against anyone, so that the Father also is in heaven, may forgive you in your trespasses. You can imagine the prayer that the grandmother Lois would have had for her, for her own child, Eunice, but also for her grandchild, Timothy. There's such an important role that grandmothers play, and not only grandmothers, but older women in the church. Now, that's a, that's a tough subject when you start, who's old? I'm not getting into age thing. I'm not doing that. That's a, you know, my dad always told me, don't ever ask a woman her age. But there's never retirement in the kingdom of God. Just because your grandkids or maybe your, your kids or your grandkids have, have grown and you think, man, I'm done. I, there's nothing else for me to do. That's not true. It tells us in Titus chapter 2, verses 3 through 5, Older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children. To be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. And so you see the role of, of the grandmother in Timothy's life. There was a role that my grandmother played, my great-grandmother, uh, Grandma Edmonds. That woman did prison ministry into her 80s. Now, again, when I talk about my mom, my mom was abandoned as a child. All three of her sisters were left at my grandma Edmund's house. Her dad died suddenly at a young age. This is why grandmothers are so important in the role of, of, of faith. The foundation that, that my grandmother tried to set for my mom was so important to this day, she will still talk about her faith. Grandma has passed away a long time ago. You realize the first person I ever prayed with with my wife in a circle, I was 20-something years old, was with my grandma Edmonds. I never prayed with my wife. It was when I was going off to the Gulf War, she was like, I need to pray over you. And I was like, I don't know what that means. She grabs our hands and she starts praying for us. And she's in her 80s at this time. That's how she was as a woman of faith. And she, she raised young men that went on to be missionaries in Africa. 
pastors, elders. Here comes my Nana. She comes to grab her daughters, and guess what? Off to Charleston, South Carolina, away from Virginia, and away from any godly influence that she had in her life at that point. My mom moved. Sadly. And, and you know, at, at the end of the day, my mom's mother had no belief in God. She didn't go to church. That wasn't her thing. And, and so my mother was raised that way. Just think what would have happened if she would have stayed with Grandma Edmonds. That's the way things go, right? Do you realize that Grandma Edmonds, she not only prayed for the faith of my Aunt Tony, and my mom, and Aunt Ann, but she prayed for all of her grandchildren diligently prayed for their salvation. She wasn't alive when I came to faith. She wasn't alive when Richie came to faith, but she had been praying years before. And so when we look at a sincere faith, a, a faith that dwells in someone, it dwells in the heart. And whether it's a grandmother or a mother, it's it dwells in you, it takes residence in you, and you, you actually live that out in front of the child. And that grows their faith, because that's how Timothy's faith was grown. Understand, Timothy's father is not in the picture. But let me tell you something. If it's a, if, if it's a, a faith of hypocrisy, meaning that you go home and you're just, you act crazy, what do you think your kid's version of Christianity is going to be? They're going to grow up saying, I don't want nothing to do with that. My mom and dad used to go to church. That's Teresa's, That's how Teresa was. We used to go to Catholic church all the time. We used to go to catechism. We used to do all this stuff. And mom and dad would fight and throw things across the rooms. And pushed her away from what she, what she thought Christianity uh, was. But see, we can see Timothy's face was traced back to not only the mother, but the grandmother. And Paul saw that. Because he tells him in verse 6, For this reason I remind you to fan into the, fa uh, the flame of, of the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. In Proverbs chapter 1, verses 8 and 10, it says, Hear, my son, your father's instruction and Forsake not your mother's teachings, for they are, are as graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. I can remember one of my moms would always say, you know, bad, bad company corrupts good morals. And that's actually from 1 Corinthians 15.33. I never understood that she was quoting scripture when she said that. And I, I never understood that it was probably me that she was talking about with her son. I always tell people, well, you want to know how your kids are, look at who they're hanging out with. You'll know. That's an easy way of looking at it. Let's look at this last little piece here. God, godly mothers esteem God's word and instruct their children in it. 
So we see that the the that their faith dwelt in them, that it lived in them. But one of the things I love is Paul says in Second Timothy chapter three, he says, "But as for you, continue in what you have learned, and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it." Who did he learn it from? Grandmother and the mother. And how from childhood, from childhood, you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, the Word of God, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Paul's saying you've known it, you've learned it from your mother, from your grandmother. You, you can rely on God's Word. That's what your foundation's built on. Not only did you have a mother that was praying for you, but you have a mother that's teaching you God's Word, that's living God's Word out, uh, out in the home. And I love it because Timothy has this, this unbelievable mentor, Paul, and, and Paul even recognizes what has been given to and entrusted in Timothy by the mother and the grandmother. And that's why we need to be praying for that influence that we have in, in our lives, whether it's through a Sunday school teacher or a children's ministry teacher or a youth worker. God will use those women in that way as spiritual mothers because a lot of kids don't have mothers that are following Christ. And so like when we go to youth camp, there'll be a lot of kids that come that have no understanding of who Jesus Christ is. By the time they leave that camp, they give their lives to Christ. But they have all these spiritual mothers that are sowing into them, that are praying for them. I was talking to Reuben, uh, and they were talking to Michelle. Michelle, the last time, Jimmy was like, are you going to come and serve? Because the last time she came, she was pregnant and served in the kitchen. And Jimmy goes, well, she's pregnant again. I was like, no. He goes, I'm just playing. And, um, but Reuben and Michelle were talking about how they were able to pray for the kids as they came through the line, as they were serving them. That's what a mom and dad does. Were they, those weren't your kids. They're your spiritual kids. You care about them spiritually. And, and, and that's what Paul, you know, as we look at Paul and we look at Timothy's mother and grandmother, it's that we have to, we have to care about what our kids are learning. We have to remember we talked about the Word of God, the Kingdom of God, and how we should, we should look at everything with a biblical worldview with God's Word as our guidance, right? And that's what your kids need to see you doing, so that way they do it. They go, hey, this is not what God's Word says. Let's talk about it. You actually, you actually open up God's Word with them. It says in verse 15, And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. In Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, it says, My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Treasure up my commandments. In Psalm 71, 17, it says, O oh God, from my youth you have taught me, and I still proclaim your wondrous deeds. Man, wouldn't it be awesome that your child would actually quote that one day as an adult? Lord, I remember when, when, when you taught me. And I, I still proclaim the, the work that you're doing in my life. It's because you have a mom that would sit and pray for you. 
and not give up on you. It's important for us as, as we look at our children and, and teaching them the scriptures and taking time to talk to them about the grace of God. And which we're able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Again, it's, it's that understanding that, it's that the, the word of God is built on salvation. The knowledge of God, revealing that we all need Jesus Christ. It's not teaching them that Jesus is just your friend. He is. Right? But there's a, a need for you to have salvation. There's a, a purpose for you to have salvation because you are guilty of sin. And the only way that that sin debt can be repaid is through Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. That's what you teach your child. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is deceitfully above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? That's why we ask God to dwell in our hearts. Right? Remember, God doesn't look on the, 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 the outward appearance, but looks on the heart in 1 Samuel 16, verse 7. They need to know God's word. They need to have it revealed to them. They need to understand that we are rebellious. And we need Jesus. Because let me tell you something. I put my mom through turmoil and tribulation and trouble. It's easy as it is for me to say, man, my mom didn't go up, go up and use the tools. Guess what? I didn't either. It was passed down from one generation to the next generation. And if you don't stop, it'll get passed down to the next generation. This is our first generation of grandkids that will come up knowing Jesus Christ. Think about that. Don't you want, because man, let me tell you something, God will bless generation after generation, but it requires obedience. It requires you to, to give your heart to Christ. It requires you to have Him take residence in your heart and, and to have the power of the Holy Spirit reside in you because that's how we live this life. You need to let your kids know that the, the salvation of Jesus Christ is... is, is has been paid on uh, by the cross that it's that they understand us through his love his care his kindness his work that he did they can't earn it it's to understand that there are times when they're going to fail and they need grace can i tell you it's usually the moms that give grace because dads were were quick to <laughs> to respond right I was. Maybe you're not that way, but that's how I was. I had a friend of mine that actually had his child did something and got in trouble, and he decided, you know what, I'm going to take, take this time to make it an exercise of grace. I took him to go get ice cream. And I sat down and talked to him about what he did wrong. So the next time he got in trouble, a few months later, he thought he was going to get ice cream. It's like, no, that's not how this works. <laughs> you, need to, you need to understand that you need to be living and doing the things properly. You know, grace is there for the journey, but it's, it's one of the things that the kids need to know is that their sins are forgiven, past, present, and future. And they learn that from, from uh, learning the Word of God. 
if a mom is, is not in the Word of God, that's why we talked about it last week. If, if you're malnourished in God's Word, then your kids are going to be malnourished in God's Word. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, it says, Likewise, newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. It's by that Word, that spiritual milk, that we grow up, which is the Word of God, that we grow as Christians. And if you're not in it, how are you going to teach your children that, right? Because that's why he tells us at the, at the end of that verse, it says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for, for what? Teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. That's why parents need to be diligent about being in God's Word with their children. Think about it. If a, if a tree is planted and it grows, it's a lot harder to take up out of the ground. Now that can work either way. If that tree grows up ungodly and grows in ungodliness, it's gonna, the roots are going to be hard to get up, aren't they? But if they grow up in godliness, those roots are going to be hard to get up to as well. That's why we see a lot of people being tossed to and fro. So you can grow up in evil things or you can grow up in good things. But both ways, those roots are going to be hard to come up. I would rather you come up growing up in, in the things of God, of righteousness, growing up in Jesus Christ where those roots are deep and they can't be pulled up. And, and, and so that's what we need to be teaching our kids. That wonderful verse in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6, Train up a child in the way he shall go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. He will not depart from it. And that's the thing that we need to understand is that we need to have a positive impact on our kids. And I know our moms, they, they, they pour out in so many other areas. But moms need the Word of God just like the kids do. That's why the husbands are supposed to wash, wash their wives with the Word of God. Right? We're supposed to. And, and yet, sometimes we don't do that. I love the way that God used the grandmother and the mother in Timothy's life. It was a sincere faith that they had. And it led not only Timothy's grandmother to the mother in her faith, but the mother to the son. That's why I picked this verse. I, I love this example because whether you're a single mom, because Timothy's mom was raising this child by herself as a, as a believer. But you also see the importance of the grandmother, the role that she plays. Just remember, you can impart something that, that you're not living. And moms, you may come here today and you may be feeling like, man, I'm, I'm struggling. I'm struggling with finding time just to be in God's Word. I'm struggling with trying to find, find time to, to pray for my kids. I'm struggling as a wife. And let me tell you, God 
knows your heart because he dwells in it. And he cares for you. And he understands the responsibility that you have as a mom and as a grandmother. And just like Hannah, what do we do? We cry out in prayer. We go to God and we just ask the Lord, help us manage this crazy schedule. Help us manage all these different things and activities that are going on. Right? Help me have time to be with you. Help me to actually spend time and talk with the kids and have those one-on-one talks that they need as a mom. And I um, mean, at the end of the day, it's, it's one of the things that I love is that the, the greatest thing that you can impart to your kids, faith in Jesus, right? The Word of God and a mother's love. No man is poor who has had a godly mother. I love my mom. Love her to death. She's struggling. She's in her late, later stage of her life with her health and stuff. And but I'm so happy I'll spend eternity with her. It took a while, but it took me a while too to come to faith. And I, I can't wait to see my grandma Edmonds. Probably one of the sweetest ladies I've ever met in my life. They would always say that Pastor Chuck would ooze love. That was my grandmother. That's how she was. I think my, Michael was probably that big when we first time he ever met her. Sweet woman. And uh, happy Mother's Day. I think the kids are going to be bringing in a gift for you as they come in. But let's go ahead and close out in prayer and then we'll say goodbye. Thank you so much. That was Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Divine, Texas. Remember, if you need to get more information on the church, you can do that at calvarydivine.org. God bless.